what might be the last ever episode of As It Occurs To Me. That's right, it's a threat with as much weight behind it as when Stephen Fry says he's quitting Twitter. (laughs) Again, it's the traditional, ludicrously self-indulgent final episode of the series of the podcast that all the ginger rodents and blonde reptiles and purple-haired ungulates are calling Aiotoma! Hooved mammals. It's uh, the internet stand-up and sketch show about the things that have happened to me or that I've been thinking about this week. And it's our second Halloween special. Woo! Which means that this week is the first anniversary of the accidental discovery of the word cumpkin. And uh, I hope you'll all be celebrating that landmark by making cumpkins of your own. Certainly most of the audience have done so, and uh, many of the women here tonight are wearing those cumpkins on their heads. Whether by choice, or just because they chose the wrong person to sit next to, or... Or in front of her. What do you mean you've forgotten how to make a cumpkin? You make a jack-o'-lantern. Get at least five men to come in said jack-o'-lantern and then get a woman to put it on her head. Mm, Lovely. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast, then I'm sure that this year, every single time you've seen a pumpkin, you've only been able to think of one thing. That's that's the gift I've given you. Uh, It's my legacy to the world to ruin a thing of childish wonder. Pumpkins full of spunk. (laughs) The best thing I've ever done. But there's more to this show than running one chance mispronunciation into the ground. Will you please give it up for our cast? It's Dan Tetzel, TV's Emma Kennedy, and on the guitar, Christian Riley. Hello. Hey, Danny boy. Hello. How you doing? What's occurred to you this week? Uh, This week I was doing some work at the BBC. The radio department has recently moved in above or below Radio 2, so there's often paparazzi outside their office block. And it was a weekend, and I was going in, and there were only two paparazzi, and I was walking in, and one paparazzo turned to his friend and said, what's he off? And the other went, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I felt quite sad. Nothing and else. today I trod in something as well. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the I did, two things. I did that, that last week. I trod in something and then uh, on my trainer, and then I put my was going away, so I put my trainers in my bag without realising I trod in something, and then I opened the bag. Oh, that's odd. Those quite new trainers. They smell a bit weird. Uh, they smell of dog's feces. That is. But at least we have learnt the singular of paparazzi today. So we can't, we're laughing and learning, aren't we? Maybe mainly learning. What? what uh, what have you not to, Christian? Has anything occurred to you? I had my bike nicked. Oh. So, uh, Christ, not on a bike. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Good. I like it. Is this thing on? It? Huh? It's there on. It, it is. is on, yeah. How are you getting around? <laughs> Walking. Walking places, yeah. I had, the, I had my bike saddle and wheels stolen that last time. I had, and my bike saddle was, like, really old and it had a big tear in it. You kind of think, who is going around stealing... The used saddles of minor celebrities. Someone's using that for nefarious purposes. That is a word. Uh, Emma, what's occurred to you this week? Well, the, uh, this week I've just been being a writer in residence mm. uh, down in Cornwall. And um, Really, I, I, you're a writer in residence all the time, aren't you? If yeah. you're, you're a writer in, in, a, ways, in a residence. Yes, <laughs> yes, you're I outside. am. Yeah, but I, was, no, I was invited down to uh, the Idle Rock Hotel down in St Moore's. And I met some uh, quite brilliant people. And the, the best story I was told all week was a woman who used to be a secretary in the 1970s. And she told me that she used to spend every day 
just literally running in a loop around her boss's coffee table because he would be constantly trying to grab her tits. And she'd say, you know, but it was the 70s, so it was fine and, like, no one ever complained. <laughs> and uh, she had to go away on a conference with this man and she was sort of terrified that he was going to, you know, progress from, from tit grabbing to, to something more, more serious. And so to get away from him, she, she pretended, it was abroad, this, this conference, she pretended to be an interpreter. And so she went and sat on this balcony with all the other interpreters and just, just found a pair of headphones <laughs> and put them on. And she said, I just had one piece of paper and I just wrote, Dear Mum, over and over <laughs> and over again. And either side of me, there was a German on one side of me and an Italian on the other side, and they were both smoking big fat cigars. And they both kept looking at me and just crying with laughter. And I thought, oh, whoever's speaking must be just telling jokes. So I started going, ha, 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 yeah, along, along with, with the German and the Italian. But they just laughed more, just got worse and worse and worse. And what had happened was, apparently interpreters' headphones, they have this sort of solid triangular thing that comes down under the chin, and you have to plug that in to a box that will then put the feed through to you. And the German just sort of kept, kept sort of pointing towards his chest and howling with laughter. And this woman suddenly realised that her triangular thing was just up here. <laughs> so good. For the listeners at home. Yeah, it's above the head, yeah. Above the head. Well, I hope she's listening. <laughs> so none of that occurred to you? No. I mean, that's, I mean, can we get a ruling on that? In the 1970s to someone else. Yeah. In probably... in sick, folks. All bets are off for the Ask the Audience bit. At least there was no poo in it. Not yet. there was no poo. No poo, not yet. No poo anecdote this week. I'm sorry. She did have a Nando's beforehand. But anyway... And sweet corn. I have a question for you, Rich. Behave. Oh, yes, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Now, I just can't help but notice that um, you're, you're wearing a suit made entirely out of gold. I am. And, cr- and, a, and, a, and a crown made of diamonds. And yep. earlier on, I saw you setting fire to some banknotes and just throwing them at poor people and students while laughing. Yeah, was... yeah I did, yeah. Well, what's, uh, what's your point? What? Well, have you come into some money or something? Mm. Um, not, not really. No, no, no mm. not particularly. Because yeah, you know how you always said advertising was evil and you'd never do an advert? Well, mm. I was watching late night TV this week and I oh, saw yeah. this. Oh, hey, hang about, Andrew Collings. Our sixth music show ends at lunchtime, not at breakfast. Why aren't you eating a sandwich like me, a normal sandwich? Mmm, that's lunch. Well, you know, Richard, this happens to be a delicious new sachet of lunch marmalade. A totally new way of having lunch out of a sachet with marmalade in it. Marmalade for lunch? What next? Christmas cake stored in a freezer so you can eat it in October? Look, on the sachet it says lunch marmalade is made from whole oranges and is especially designed for lunch regularly releasing marmalade over four hours as long as you keep some marmalade in your cheeks and release it at intervals. Ha! Huh, I just eat my sandwich like a normal person would. Oh, oh no, look, my sandwich has fallen to pieces. Oh, <laughs> you should have had lunch marmalade like me. New lunch marmalade. Marmalade specially designed for lunch. Warning, eating lunch marmalade outside of the hours of midday to 2pm is illegal and punishable by death. Oh. 
I can't believe that you've let down your tens of fans by by doing an advert. Yeah, after all the things you said. Ned, you weren't listening, you listened to the advert. I was against the lunch marmalade. I was trying to persuade people not to buy it. So it's fine. It's Collins, you should be having a go at. He doesn't really eat lunch marmalade in real life. He lives off a diet of pheasant and soot. Yep. <laughs> but you're still taking part in something that's promoting the idea of marmalade for lunch. Yeah, look, all right, look, I'm going to level with you guys because I'm part of an underground revolutionary movement dedicated to bringing the advertising industry down from within by creating adverts that are so crap that all advertising agencies are forced out of business. That's, uh, I'm not alone in this clever plan. I don't know if you saw Derek Jacobi this week. He's on board. Uh, you might have thought he was pissing all over his iClavDiv's artistic legacy by playing Scrooge in an advert for electrical equipment, but you're wrong. It's part of the campaign. John Cleese, that, you thought, oh, what's he doing? Doing that advert for the AA where he, t- he mentions faulty, like pissing over his, that legacy of that beautiful programme. And then the end of it where he's got the plumbers have actually arrived, they've actually arrived, the guys from the, uh, the butchers with meat instead of plumbing. It's kind of incredibly confusing and not funny. That's deliberate. He's trying to bring down the advertising. That Tim Lovejoy advert where Tim Lovejoy from that Saturday programme, he uh, goes into that lady's house. Have you seen it? He goes, oh, I've burnt my dinner. Uh, is it, can, I've got a date. Can you help me? And the Italian neighbour kind of helps him make some pasta. Have you seen this? And then she goes, oh, well, where's, uh, where, when's the date happening? Where is she? And he goes, she's right here. And he gets a chair and sits down and the date is with her. And, and she doesn't then go, well, fuck off. That's not a date. You can't... <laughs> You can't come round to my house, make me cook my own food, and then say this is a date. That's not romantic, that's creepy and weird. And what, have you, look, someone on Twitter said, you know, you've come here with a burnt meal. You, you've prepared this to the level that you've actually gone to the trouble of making something and burning it so you can come down here. That might seem like a really, really terrible advert worse than the Johnny Vaughan one. That is, that he's not part of the campaign at all. Uh, he's just a horrible, awful man. We're part, but the rest of us, we're part of a concerted campaign to destroy capitalism. That's yeah, but you're still taking the money, though. Yeah, but we have to take the money or the advertisers will realise what we're doing. So that's... Yeah, it seems unlikely. Well, if you both stop questioning it, I'll let you pretend that your Tiskily campaign, Dan, and your Utterly Butterly adverts, Emma, were part of the revolution. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Broadband for six ninety nine. That's uh, seems like a very good deal to me. Let's see. Uh, it's cheap. Let's see what else has occurred to me this week. Thursday. Uh, Harriet Harman got into trouble. She called Liberal Democrat Denny, Danny Alexander a ginger rodent uh, during a Scottish conference, uh, which I would say it was a mistake to go to Scotland and start having to go at people with ginger. I mean, what kind of idiot would go up to Scotland? <laughs> And just deliberately start being as offensive to those haggis-eating, deep-fried Mars by idiots to their faces. You'd have to be insane. Harry Harmon's an idiot. Sunday. Uh, Stephen Fry, also in trouble uh, on uh, Twitter, he said in a, an interview that women do not enjoy sex. Uh, well, that's, that's certainly my experience, but is, <laughs> is, he, um, is he right about that? Could you enjoy sex, girls? Yeah, say, shout, if you enjoy sex, girls, shout out. We like sex. Go on. One, two, three. Loud all together. One, two, three. We love sex. Great. We love sex. That's even better, really. We got that tape right because that's just for me later on. I'm taking that. Taking that home. Just, you know, for the days we've got no one else to dance in front of me, they can just play that. 
that in. Uh, but you know, it's, it's confusing for Stephen Fry, because women, eh? You call them all whores, and they don't like that, do they? Then you say they don't like sex at all, and they're just as angry. Well, make up your mind, girls. You can't win with... Your next thing you know, women will want to be treated as individuals rather than as an amorphous mass. It's, it's political correctness gone mad. Girls, you're allowed to be virgins or whores. Uh, that is the choice. Uh, virgins may become mothers once married, as long as each sex they have leads to a child. Those are just... I didn't make the rules up, and neither did Stephen Fry. Uh, Stephen Fry says he's been misquoted. He'll, he'll be telling us next he doesn't love Wagner from The X Factor. It's on YouTube, Stephen, so don't lie about it. Today. Uh, today, Mickey Stevenson, sorry, Mickey Nicholson, a 33-year-old transsexual wearing a pink wig and a PVC dress, won the UK Scrabble Championship. Uh, it's still the becoming the least eccentric person ever to win a Scrabble tournament. As it occurs to me, brainy but juvenile comedy. The Guardian. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a review. Got a review in The Guardian saying, you know, sometimes this show it says written just two days before the recording. That made me laugh. So, uh, if you've... Uh, two days, I wish. Uh, if you've ever wondered how an episode of As It Occurs To Me is written, then you're in luck, because this week the whole process has been recorded by a documentary film crew. Most comedy shows you see on TV have huge teams of writers who work for months writing and rewriting material for so-called comedians who just turn up on the day and read the script. But as it occurs to me is the vision of just one man. I went to see the artist at work. It's Saturday afternoon and Richard has just two days to write an hour of material. Well, yeah, nice move, Sensei, but you underestimate me. Uh, what, you, what are you doing? I'm playing Yahtzee on my iPhone. Shouldn't you be starting work on no, the no, show? No, 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 no. Playing Yahtzee is a very important part of the process. Look at my statistics. These are genuine. In the last year, I've played 3,325 games of Yahtzee on my iPhone. I've got a high score of 702, which that is an impressive... I don't know if you play Yahtzee, that is very high. And, and a win rate of 53%, uh, showing that I'm very slightly better at playing Yahtzee than a phone. Uh, <laughs> oh, look! Look, I've got two twos. I was just three twos away from a Yahtzee, then. I've got three more twos. It's 6pm, and after four hours of constant play, Richard is tired of playing Yahtzee. Yeah, yeah. Enough is enough. I can't play Yahtzee all day. Now it's time for some patience. Uh, I have... Again, these are the truth statistics. I've only, I've, played, I've only played 1,555 games of Patience on this phone. Uh, it's a total playing time of 51 hours, 23 minutes and 11 seconds. My win ratio is 17.6%, uh, but that's quite good for Patience. It's annoying because I had actually played well over 200 hours on my last phone, but that got stolen. And you can't, you can't back the statistics up onto your computer. That is a whole week of my life just gone. I, I could have just wasted that. I might as well have wasted it doing nothing. It's Sunday. As it occurs to me, will be recorded in less than 36 hours. Richard is finally at his desk. The brilliant thing about this show is I can just write whatever I like. There are no censors, no dumbass TV executives to tell me what I can and can't do. Uh, the problem is, if I'm allowed to say something, if I'm allowed to say something like cum guzzling, necrophile, gargling with the cold, coagulated spunk of the dead. <laughs> and no one complains about it, then there's no really any point in saying cum guzzling, neck far gargling with the cold coagulated spunk of the dead, is there? I need the censors. I just want to be on the telly, really, is the truth. So why isn't Herring on the telly anymore? Insiders say it's due to the industry's disgust and nausea 
about his somewhat unorthodox and strange personal life. I mean, you've probably heard these rumours about me that I like to invite women back to my house <laughs> where I make them dance while I sit in a high-backed armchair with a semicircular toilet mat around it, masturbating. But look, you're in my house now, and as you can see, I don't even own a high-backed armchair. And no, 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 don't go in there, don't open that door. No, no. What? Oh, what's this? I never noticed this room in my house before. What? Oh, where did that high-backed armchair come from? I've never seen this semi-naked woman in my life. Can you stop dancing then, oh, Mr Herring? What are, what are you doing in my house? How dare you install this system of lights and this mirror ball in here? This is... This is an outrage. I, I, I didn't tell you to stop dancing, did I? Can I go home and see my son? No, Christian. I pay you eight to five pounds and eleven pence a day to stand in this room playing funky guitar for my victim, my girlfriends, to dance to. Well, couldn't you just put on a record? Do you want your eighty-five pounds and eleven pence or not? All right. Can I at least have a blindfold? No. You need to watch this, Christian Riley. What kind of a man could be aroused simply by sitting in a high-backed armchair and watching a girl dancing? No man! In order to ejaculate onto my semicircular toilet mat, I need to be reluctantly watched by a man in a cowboy hat playing funky guitar whilst I do that. When you're my age, you'll be the same. It's an age thing. It's Monday morning, and because Herring has wasted the last two days masturbating and playing video games, he has to get up at 6am to start work. In some ways, at this stage of the process, I start to see why other comedy shows go for that whole team of writers and weeks of preparation. It's a much better way of doing this, thinking about it. Instead, I'm forced to take years off my life and write under the influence of a dangerous cocktail of chocolate, Diet Coke, and fast-approaching humiliation. I hate myself and will be glad when I am dead. At five o'clock, Herring turns up at the Bloomsbury Theatre to give the cast their script. Dan, Emma, here are your scripts. Um, oh, hello there, Christian. I haven't seen you since last week, um, like, just like everyone else. Uh, nice to see you again. Yes, it's nice to see you too, after all this time. So, Dan, uh, Emma, what's it like performing alongside a comedy genius? Well, um... <laughs> It's hard to remember, really, because it's ten years since I worked with Stuart Lee. Um, and uh, if, if you're listening, Stu, I am available for series two of Comedy Vehicle. He isn't listening. I know. I know. But I, I have to say that working with Richard is a fucking nightmare. Um, he comes in with one sheet of paper with a list of things he's done this week. I played Yahtzee on my iPhone, I played Patience on my iPhone. On my iPhone. iPhone. And then we workshop them, he types up what we say and then claims he's written another script. Whoa, whoa slow down, Dan. What, what was that last... He types up right. what we say <laughs> and then claims he's written another script. Just the last bit? Then claims he has written another script. Another another script. Great! Another script written. By me. Then, if he's having difficulty uh, coming up with an ending to an already overlong sketch, he generally just has one of the characters realise they are a character and have some kind of postmodern existential breakdown. Ooh. uh, Yeah, that's clever. No, No. No, it really isn't. No. But, but hold on. If this is a sketch that you've improvised, then I'm just the character in that sketch. You're not a real documentary reporter at all. Yes, that's right, yes. Yes, you're, 
you're a character played by me. Look, we're, we're actually having this conversation by me just moving to a different side of the microphone. Oh my God, you're right. No, no, no I'm melting, I'm melting. And See, brilliant. Uh, that passed the time. It would have passed it in any case. Yes, but not so rapidly. Oh boy. As it occurs to me, it looks very good on paper, but then so does fish and chips. What does that even mean? Fish and chips, it looks good on paper, it is good. To say if you don't like fish and chips first. Anyway, it's time to go down into our audience to see what has occurred to them this week. Has anyone had any uh, occurrences that they would like to share with the group? Uh, there, madam, yeah, straight in. What's, what have you got? You won something on Saturday. What was that? A Halloween party? I, I won't, I won't. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you got best female costume. You had a green face. But you have got a green face now, so you just turned up. In your, as you normally look and trick them. Now, that's very good. Congratulations on winning a prize. There you go. Again, that was one... You know, when, before we started, <laughs> I said, just try it out. Did she try that out on you? Did she ask you if that was a good idea? Because if, if it is, it's your responsibility. <laughs> Has anyone else... Thank you. Congratulations. Yes, sir, what happened to you? Oh, it occurs to me that being on radio is a lot harder than it seems. You know you're not on the radio now, right? Yeah. So why, why does that occur to you? Is this going to be a horrible, veiled insult because you're from the English Defence League or something? <laughs> you're on student radio. Yeah. Now you're on a podcast. It's probably about the same listenership. Uh, what, what went wrong? You got better as it went along. Now, do you remember before we started recording, <laughs> I specifically said, just check with someone else whether the story's interesting, just before you... Yeah? I did say that, right? I'm not, I'm just imagining... I didn't just say that inside my own head, I thought, that's fine. Uh, yes, a bold man who thinks he's got an interest in the check shirt there. Uh, I was watching uh, the Antiques Roadshow. You're watching the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> now, you do remember that before... <laughs> yes? Tam DL was on the Antiques Roadshow. He didn't sound anything like. Well, he didn't sound anything like the Tam DL from this show, but the, uh, you'll know that the Tam DL on this show died in a suicide pact with Susan Boyle. So if you see, that's the, they're the real ones. So if you see any other one on the TV being Tam DL or Susan Boyle, they're an imposter. So don't take, don't take any notice of them. Did he uh, have a lot of uh, bookshelves with him that he was trying to flock? How much is this bookshelf worth? Yeah, it cost <laughs> He's come back for Halloween. Uh, hello, right up in the balcony. We've got people in the balcony. And this is unbelievable. They're like the, the jury from Planet of the Apes. Do that job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sir. Hello, yes. Hello. Uh, You, I, I always love it when this happens. I've turned you into a failed celebrity stalker. Why is, why is that? Well, it was actually a couple of weeks ago. I went to the amazing meeting in London, which was a celebration 
So you went to the amazing meeting in London. <laughs> what is this? Are you a superhero or something? <laughs> to the amazing. It's a secret thing. It's the amazing. All the. Yeah. What is the amazing meeting? Okay, John Ronson tried to explain this to Emma on Twitter. Maybe this story should have stayed there. Yeah, come on. No, come, no, no, come on. I'm only cheeky. Yeah. Well, that's your. We'll be the judge of that. Yes, I vaguely remember this now. Yeah. He's confident, isn't he? He's, he'd be good on studio and radio, this guy. I'm telling you, you should get him on. Yeah. Yeah, so there were some rationalists at this meeting. I have to repeat things for the people at home just in case they can't hear. You were looking for Ben Goldacre. Armed with a cubic cake. <laughs> Armed with some Christmas cake. Uh, which is like the, way, the size of, you know, made of lead, I think. Yeah. And, uh, he was even in America, so... Ah, so you walked around with a Christmas cake in October for nothing. Have you brought it with you? Yeah, I'm not really that into Christmas cake. No, it's not. Hey, hold on. You said it was a big cube of Christmas cake. Everyone have a look at it. Hold it out in front have of... Have you actually brought Christmas yeah, I cake? You, I thought you'd had a massive Christmas cake. You mean... Apple! Apple! Take that Christmas cake and stuff it up your ass. That is not worth... Ben Goldacre doesn't want that puny bit. How is it? I haven't heard from Ben Goldacre about the, uh, the Christmas cake uh, stuff. You hate Christmas cake? There you go. That, that, was, you know, that, was, that was better than your one, so don't, I, don't you... Better than I had a green face that I painted on myself. Uh, <laughs> we'll go for a couple more. There's one at the back. I can only see an arm as a gentleman, yes, I think. You woke up an hour late on Sunday. <laughs> he thought if only he could turn back time. Well, you... Yes, we got it. We got it. Don't overexplain it. No one to get out. <laughs> you got your laugh. Shut up for the rest of your life. Yeah, uh, we'll go. We'll go over there. He ordered a lot of printering from the Yemen. Now, what gets me about the, the, the Yemen is that it wasn't just printering, it was a printer and printering from the, to, being delivered to Chicago from the Yemen. Did the people in the Yemen not just go, that's a bit odd, isn't it? It costs quite a lot to post a printer. If I lived in Chicago, I'd probably go to PC World or something and buy a printer rather than buying it from so the Yemen. That's why it's so expensive. All printering comes from the Yemen. So. <laughs> it is. As a mine. Is it? Like yeah. oil. That does it, it's playing a lot. And they, uh, what I loved about that story was they were so gleeful, uh, the, the, the Secret Services, that they got the woman who did it, because they got, she'd, she'd foolishly put her phone number. Oh, and they were kind of, yeah, we've got her. She put her phone number on the attack. The they then, the day they went, oh yeah, the, apparently it was a cloned phone number, it wasn't really her. I mean, that would be quite a poor terrorist to have come up with a way of turning a printer into a bomb and then put their phone number on the docket. Because even if it had blown up, they would still have been able to get you, you know, they'd have found. So that was uh, idiots. Uh, one more, let's go for one more. Right, well, it's got to be good. Better be good, madam. I'm not putting pressure on you, but it's got to be fucking, it's the got to top everything you've heard. That bloke doing his topical stand-up routine there. <laughs> bloke using one of my catchphrases. It's got to be better than those. Um, him up there with the Christmas, he brought a prop. <laughs> what have you got? I'm just saying I don't think it's going to be as good, but let's not... Let's be fair. 
and hear what he have to say. Your oldest daughter is 20, that's all I need to know, darling. You've already, you've already won. How does she look dancing? Yeah. Sorry, carry on. My, my youngest child is 16. The youngest child is 16, that's still... Uh, to be honest, that's still... <laughs> usually, you know, but... It's legal, it's allowed. Yeah. For the last 18 years, you've bought a pumpkin every single Halloween. This, this year, you thought you wouldn't, but I'll tell you what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deliver a special pumpkin to your house. <laughs> there's some psychological, we'll get onto the uh, trainee psychologist here that we met in the first half. Do you think there's some connection between her having listened to, as it occurs to me, and her decision not to buy a pumpkin? Or is it just that her children are now grown up? <laughs> and won't want a pumpkin? Fuck off, mum. I'm 20 years old. Uh, good, thank you very much. It, was, it wasn't as good as the other ones. Uh, so, uh, it was very good. Thank you for joining in and uh, just making me think of teenage women. <laughs> good enough for me. Uh, do you, did you have anything else? Any of you lot have another story or not? You can tell them. No, not really. Oh, well, I was... I was uh, alas, I was exposed, uh, my real identity. I, I, I've got to come clean. I am the body in the cube. Um, I don't know if, well, obviously you don't know that, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's true. I am the body in the cube. It's on my Wikipedia page, you can check it. Yeah, cool. That's revealed it's like the new stick. No, that, that's good, because I quite fancy the body in the cube, <laughs> and I would rather cut it off. <laughs> oh, they've turned on each other. No, it's always been simmering underneath, yeah. really. It's... <laughs> We both want to fuck you, so there we are. That's, that's all right. Uh, it will be sewn up before you got anywhere near it. <laughs> Good. It's definitely going to be the... Uh... How do you win in that situation? <laughs> I, mean, I still have my penis. You have... No, 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 no. It's like scabs. There's always a joy in unpicking, isn't there? <laughs> oh, oh, what? Like we haven't all sewn up our vaginas <laughs> and unpicked them. I never thought I'd say it, but I missed the stories about excrement. Uh, <laughs> last week, my non-imaginary so girlfriend turned 30. Yeah, that's right, 30, I'm 43, 30. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I took her away for a break to Prague, partly because I'm obviously the best boyfriend who ever has lived, but mainly to soften the blow that now she's no longer in her 20s, I can't really go out with her anymore. But, um, <laughs> come on, I'll say someone in her 30s, come on. Uh, but uh, there's lots of cool buildings there in Prague, an old bridge which we walked over several times. Every single time I wanted to push my girlfriend into the icy waters of the <laughs> Vlatava River, but it would have meant literally lifting her up over a wall and chucking her in, which I think would be tantamount to murder. Uh, I don't know if you've been to Prague, it also has a disappointing astronomical clock, which has been disappointing people on the hour, every hour, since 1410. By, it opens up and then just essentially nothing happens. So that is, people, a big crowd gathers up and then the doors open and just... That's, what they do, a man at the top of the tower plays a trumpet to make it look like it's something special. But that's a man, that's nothing to do... That's nothing to do with the clock. That doesn't count, Prague. Uh, it's a romantic city, but one that has become popular with stag nights, which might explain why on our last night in town we passed a courtyard with a huge neon sign in it, which I found amusing and confounding and slightly tantalising. It simply read, Deluxe Pussy. 
Was it the juxtaposition of the classiness of the word deluxe with the crassness of the word pussy that made this funny? Or just imagining the kind of men who this might appeal to, a more refined customer than your usual pussy-searching patron? Hey, hey, fellas, why don't we go in this club? It's promising tits and pussy. No, wait, my good fellows. I... (laughs) I will not be satisfied with looking at a regular pussy. I... I demand we find a club with deluxe pussy. I am not some beast, only the best pussy for me. Oh, oh, look there, that club is deluxe pussy. Oh, dear me, yes, but they've chosen to display this information on a crude neon sign. Let us find a club with a sign for deluxe pussy that is painted in finest oils or a a fresco of some kind. Yeah! Pussy! 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 We are such sophisticates. But mainly, I guess I was intrigued about what made the pussies on display in this club more special and deluxe than pussies elsewhere. How, How do you rate one pussy against another and decide one is... More deluxe. Uh, is it like deluxe toilet paper? Is it judged on softness, maybe? Or maybe because it's longer? I don't know. Or, <laughs> or would the pussies have some extra features not available on your regular common or garden pussy? Maybe a special whistle for emergencies? Or a, or a second easy-to-locate lo- clitoris? Uh, Maybe it was sprayed gold or had diamonds in it. I don't know. Or was it like a deluxe caravan where the pussy is bigger and roomier than a normal one? You can climb inside it and that's got fold-down beds in it and a separate cubicle for a chemical toilet. That sounds quite good. There was only one way to find out what made these pussies deluxe. But I had my girlfriend's birthday dinner to go to. On the way back to the hotel, I chanced my arm. Wow, that was quite a birthday, wasn't it? Yes, you're the best boyfriend ever. That is true. Uh, Anyway, look, you should go back to the hotel now, because I wish I could come with you, but I've just remembered I've got uh, to do a thing. What thing? Oh, I've got an important um, appointment I forgot to mention. I forgot about it, I forgot to mention it completely. In Prague in the middle of the night? Yeah, I just... um, Well, I wanted to go look at the astronomical clock and see Mm. if it still goes at night time, but I have to do that. And then I'm meeting a a man about an an Mm. Prague appointment thing. Yeah, is... Is it just a coincidence that we've stopped outside the courtyard with that deluxe pussy sign in it? Have we? Oh, I hadn't even seen that mm. the first time. I didn't notice that mm, at all. Yeah, yeah. I don't know I, if we passed it before. I didn't yeah, notice I'm, it as I said. I'm not falling for that. You, you come out to the hotel right now. What? With you and your boring regular pussy? This, <laughs> this is my one chance to see a deluxe pussy. You can't deny me that. I just want to see what it looks like. I just want to see one deluxe pussy before I die maybe touch it and then if it's how I'm imagining it get inside and use its chemical toilet facilities yeah yeah you know what Richard you can spend your whole life looking for the most deluxe pussy you can find but if you make that your goal you'll always be wondering is there a more deluxe pussy out there somewhere else maybe you should be looking for more than a deluxe pussy in a woman anyway like maybe thinking about whether she's got nice tits or no gag reflex like you know all all these things are important. If you want to go and look at the deluxe pussy promised by the sign, then go ahead. But I won't be here for you when you come out. Maybe the pussy in there won't be as deluxe as they claim. It's a difficult choice, isn't it? Then? My girlfriend or the deluxe pussy. This is harder than Sophie's choice, this is. But can I just go and have a look to see how deluxe it is, then come back and then I'll make my decision then? No. Oh, all right, whatever. I'll come with you then. Oh. 
It's been the most romantic night of my life. <laughs> and I should just point out that if you get bored with me, <laughs> Emma Kennedy has an amazingly deluxe pussy. Amazingly deluxe, yeah. you said. Yeah, how old is she? They're like 43. Oh, who want to have sex with someone that old? Disgusting. It's like having sex with a skeleton. Yes, good point. So, yeah. so I went back to the hotel. I went back to the hotel with my probably ordinary pussied girlfriend, but if I could turn back time, I'd go and have a look, obviously, but I can't turn back time, so I'll never know. As it occurs to me Stephen Fry opened up the door to a horrible sexist past And we walked right in looking for the deluxe pussy <laughs> Next week Next week, I have stupidly agreed to appear on Celebrity Mastermind. I just want to be on the telly. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I'll do anything. Even more stupidly, my specialist subject is Rasputin, which is, like, really properly difficult. It's all in Russian and stuff. And the calendars are different than they are now. It's just stupid. But I'm hoping my knowledge of all the lyrics to the Boney M song about him <laughs> will be enough to get me through. Richard Herring, you've got two minutes on Rasputin, starting now. What were Rasputin's Christian names? Ra-Ra. Uh, Ra-Ra Rasputin. Correct. Rasputin was the lover of the Queen, but which Queen? Oh, uh, Alexandra. Um, that's not the answer I have on the card. Oh, uh, the, I mean, the, the Russian Tsarina. Uh, the main Queen. The Russian Queen. She was the Russian Correct. Queen. Correct. Yeah. How did commentators describe Rus Rasputin at the time? He, he was a cat that really was gone. Correct. <laughs> I would also have accepted the answer, Russia's greatest love machine. Uh, was it a shame how Rasputin carried on? Yes, it was a shame. Correct. <laughs> the chicks of which town that he probably never actually visited thought Rasputin was such a lovely dear? Uh, John, before we, can I just can I interrupt? Um, yes, yes. I've been trying to keep this under wraps, but, you know, I'm sitting here under this light here in the... Just what's the mother of all high-backed armchairs? And I was... <laughs> I just thought, Chas Martin, would you mind dancing for me? Um, well, well it's most irregular. Just, just dance, John. Dance, you little bitch, John Humphreys. Well, all right, I'll, I'll give it a go. Great, I hope you say I brought my semicircular toilet mat just in case I'll just lay that. Oh, uh, very well, uh, here goes, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you like it, don't you, John Humphreys? You like dancing for me, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beep, 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 beep. Well, that's the end of the round. Hold on, Humphreys. I've started, so I'll finish. <laughs> oh, dear. That's better. Well, the fact that you genuinely masturbated to conclusion is the only thing that can forgive that awful punchline. Yeah, and in that sketch, you'll notice, it was, you'll notice it was a man who has been treated as a sex object. So bad luck, feminists. You can't accuse us of sexism. We treat men and women equally badly. Now, now over to Christian Riley for his final As It Occurs To Me song ever. Hey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. 
so uh, seeing as the future of AI Otima is hanging in the balance, I thought I'd launch an appeal. I want 85 pounds and 11 pence, so freaking bad. My armchair needs upholstery, I want a brand new toilet mat. 85 pounds and 11 pence, that's what I said. I don't want to sell my soul for lunch, marmalade. And when I try to sleep at night, I hear a little voice saying, I shine. And the only thing that justifies my broken mind's my recompense. It's 85 pounds and 11 pence. Five pounds, a penny, a couple of shillings. That's all we're asking for, then we're ready and willing. We're coming at you, a comedy attacker. Rough around the edges like Susan Boyle's clacker. We bring you stories of spunk, poo and we. We're redefining stand-up and sketch comedy. It's not a man draw full of garlic bread. It's a man staying aside and then saying the opposite of what he just said. Every time I close my eyes, there's a roulette wheel spinning in my mind. I push my non-fictitious girlfriend into a pond and my only defense is it's making me 85 pounds and 11 pence. Oh boy, what's happening to me? I think Sam Beckett just leapt into my body. Poop, poop, beep, now Ziggy said. Our little show might be coming to an end. But if we sell the tickets, then we pass the test. We get 85 pounds, you know the rest. Don't be a nick, I beg your pardon, dick. Dig deep into your pockets. We ain't asking you for the moon on a stick. You do the 90s references, we do the Lembit Opic. <laughs> but if you like your humor barrel scraped to the bottom, I want to hear you say it. Hey, I want 11, 85 pounds and 11 pence. So freaking bad. My armchair needs upholstery. I want a brand new toilet mat. 85 pounds and 11 pence, that's what I said I ain't gonna sell my soul for lunch marmalade And I swear if I could turn back time I wouldn't ask for a pay rise The only thing that I desire I require a certain fee And it's 72 pounds and 43 plus VAT Sing it with me. 85 pounds and... <laughs> Ka-ching! Christian Riley! Christian Riley! There he goes. He's not getting a thing. So, uh, my DVD, Hitler Moustache, has come out. It's in the shops. I've, uh, unbelievable. I've never had a DVD in the shops before. I'm very excited about it. And it's like I've managed to um, set up some kind of viral ads for the Hitler Moustache this week. Because on Twitter, I don't know if you saw, there was a picture of a guy on a bus in Shepherd's Bush, where I live, who looked exactly like Hitler that came out pretty much the day my DVD did, which was very uh, apt. I hadn't done that. And then also this week, uh, there was a Charlie Chaplin thing, which a uh, story where uh, a guy had found uh, an old woman in a Charlie Chaplin film or in the premiere 
walking around seemingly holding on to a mobile phone, in the, which is like she'd turned back time and gone back to meet Charlie Chaplin. So I'm going to use those and pretend that they were my idea. So go to, if you want to buy it, go to www.gofasterstripe.com to get an exclusive discs of extras. Uh, there's also details of my Christ on a Bike tour, uh, which is coming up from December at www.richardherring.com slash coab. Uh, hi, Richard. It's the advertising execs. You got you the lunch marmalade gig. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 hi, hi. We just had to, uh, you know, come on in and let you know that after a week in the shops and after spending a million pounds on the campaign nationwide, we have sold two sachets of lunch marmalade. Wow. Uh, and... And those were the ones we used in the actual adverts. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, it's a uh, disappointing day for the whole concept of lunch marmalade. Yeah. Good, I'm glad. I knew lunch marmalade was stupid, and I only took the job to destroy your advertising industry, so I win. Bad luck. Uh, well, not really, Richard, because uh, just as the breakfast biscuit ad was just a viral thing to promote lunch marmalade, the lunch marmalade ads were actually intended to promote the idea of year-round Christmas cake consumption. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, remember your line where you said, Marmalade for lunch, what's next? Christmas cake kept in the, in the freezer, freezer so you can eat it in October? October. Yeah. yeah, I do, but I thought that was just a ridiculous thing to say. No one would want that. Well, is it ridiculous, Rich? Because uh, yeah. the, uh, the scientist and rationalist Ben Goldacre <laughs> doesn't think so, and nor do the British public. No, outside. Christmas cake sales have gone through the roof, yeah, and the advertising won. industry has even more money to bribe brilliant and admirable artists into doing a 30-second advert that will eradicate all memory of anything good they ever achieved. No! In fact, I've got even worse news for you, Richard. Uh, We've been planning this for years, the whole of AI Ottoman, AI Ottoman. Oh, repeating it. Nice, I might use that in the next ad I make. Um, It's my idea now. That's how we work. Don't do it when he says it. It's just a <laughs> clever viral campaign, the whole thing, uh, designed to promote the consumption of Christmas cake all year round. But it, that's ridiculous, it can't be. Yeah, no, but we've been very subtle about it. We wanted to make the podcast seem subversive and cool to begin with, to hook people in, and then just when they're on side, we hit them with the all-year-round Christmas cake idea and watch the money roll in. Well, that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, firstly, no cool people like this show. Uh, and I... They're all nerds, look at them. I created AI Ottoma, AI Ottoma, oh, and there's no way... There is no way this is just a vehicle to hawk delicious, juicy Christmas cake so easy to freeze and enjoy whenever you want. Uh, you still don't get it, do you, Richard? What? Didn't you think it was odd that every week, despite leaving the writing of the show until the last possible moment, there was always some kind of script? Well, yeah, sometimes, but I kind of assumed aliens or elves were helping me. <laughs> and quite often the, shits were just, the scripts were just quite shit, so... Yeah, you know, but I didn't just... you spot the clues? So many sketches ending with characters realising they were fictional creations, and then the real world cross-referencing with the show Hitler on a Bus, Chaplin turning back time. If you watch the DVD of Hitler Moustache... It's just eight hours of people eating Christmas cake in different seasons. Yeah, it was uh, staring you in the face, Herring. You're not real. I mean... You're a character created by us as part of a long-term stratagem to sell Christmas cake any time we like. You're like the uh, Geo Comperio. <laughs> From the Go Compare advert. From the Go Compare yeah, advert. Everyone name. knows his name. It's Geo Comperio. <laughs> but... Uh... That's the calm I've been in the public eye, barely, since 1995. Yeah, we were playing a long game. Yeah, you are just a character played by the versatile and underappreciated actor Dan Tetzel. Oh. 
Oh, no, I hate him. He's the worst one, isn't it? Yeah, well, he's no Kevin Eldon, certainly, but... Uh, I mean, that explains why your voice is so whiny and shit. <laughs> Are you insulting me? But if I, did, if, I, if I didn't write the show, then who did? I would have thought that that was painfully obvious. Oh, one of the characters from the show. Mm, you might say that. Yeah, he's uh, sitting over there in that high-backed armchair with its back towards us, luckily, with a deluxe pussy on his lap. The, the true author of As It Occurs To Me. I, I don't think you'd thought you'd be seeing him again. Oh, no. Oh, no, really, it can't be, no. It is. Yes, that's right, it's me, Ben Goldacre. <laughs> Debunker of bad science and Christmas cake enthusiast. Oh, oh God, that's good. I was expect, kind of expecting someone else then. Who? Oh, no, don't, don't worry about it, no one, no one. Oh, what? Tiny Andrew Collings? Oh, no, that was one of my favourite creations. Collings is my nemesis with his homeopathy and his unfair mortgage-based lottery prize divisions. <laughs> Both of which are true and right. <laughs> so I stitched him up good and proper with that character. Do a bit of him for us, Dan. All oh, right, OK, yeah. Uh... Oh, John, I'll see, yeah. Um, it's been a while. Water has memory. <laughs> Aside, it clearly doesn't. And I am a massive soot-eating prick. <laughs> Nice one, Dan. You really are a brilliant actor. Oh, thank you very much. That's very nice. <laughs> Though, you know, there are times when your Richard Herring character descended into caricature. Oi, I didn't. I was good all the way through. And hold on, you advertising person. You, the other that one. one you said there. the writer was a character from the show. Ben Goldacre isn't a character from the show, is well, he? Well, he was mentioned in show 20, Men which is why I said you might say that. Oh, that's, that's yes, just bash it. No, listen, I'll explain my whole plan. Yes, back in 1994, I inherited a massive warehouse of frozen Christmas cake. More Christmas cake than had been consumed by the whole world in the lifetime of Christmases. I needed the UK public to eat more Christmas cake, so I came up with a plan of creating a viral character who wouldn't really mention Christmas cake at all for ages. But then he'd start up a podcast, and just when it looked like he might be on the verge of becoming popular, but before he was popular, he would mention Christmas cake. People would be so amazed by the effort I had gone to that they would forget about the way I had lied and cheated and they would start eating Christmas cake all year round, making me upwards of £350 a year. <laughs> all of that? I mean, there weren't even podcasts in 1994. How did you foresee this? I'm a scientist! I have to, <laughs> I have to say... I personally, I think this is a very unsatisfying and confusing denouement <laughs> to as it occurs to me, even by the standards, the very poor standards set by Lost and Ashes to Ashes. I think people have invested a lot in this show over the last year and a bit, and now it turns out the whole thing was just about selling Christmas cake. No one could have seen that. It's all very rational, like me. The clues were all there if you cared to look for them. I expect a few of you guessed. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. They might have done a few of them. Might have guessed. This is always how it's going to end. Every line has been planned in advance. Every sketch written years ago. What, even the motorcycle clothing shop? <laughs> Especially the motorcycle clothing shop. Especially? So, well, it was more written than the other ones that were also yes. written. Yes. What, did you write it in bold or something? Italic. <laughs> So what you're trying to tell me is I, Richard Herring, am just a fictional character without yeah, realising... I'm afraid so. I mean, look at you. Who'd want to be like that for real? And now you... Don't do that. Now that you've realised that, you will, of course, 
exist to exist. Does this mean I don't have to do celebrity masterminds? Yes. Thank fuck for that. Uh, oh, my arm's disappearing. Look like I'm a Marty McFly. But Emma, I can't believe I'm going. I was sure one day you and I would be wed. I know, but it was never to be because, like your own girlfriend, you were imaginary. Oh, wow, irony. If you had existed, we could have been together forever. Because I have the most deluxe clack-a-lack-a-dack-dack you could imagine. <laughs> he can go camping in it. It's even got its own ground sheet. Is that what the tent, the bucket and me was actually about? Has it, it got... Has it got, has it got an awning? Sometimes. Yeah, good. <laughs> no! And, and will I... Will AI Ottoman... AI Ottoman... I ought to die with me. No, Richard, we have got a new non-fictional host for the next series starting in May, when it will be called Aiotlo, as it occurs to Limbidopic. No! <laughs> what the fuck do you think you're doing? <laughs> Herring, you do the falling, failing off. Why? <laughs> no editing. No editing, Limbid. Can't even read. No. Do you do the foiling? Foiling. <laughs> I've been in a box at the back of the stage <laughs> for the whole series. It's no pumpkins, mate. I'm telling you that. That's all. You're gonna make. We'll see. We'll see. we'll see. When you get desperate, foiling will come out. Every... <laughs> what shall I do? What shall I do, Lembo? Pick. I think the you drama of your you. arrival. You do. I think. <laughs> I'm coming back on now. <laughs> you do the failing to ever have existed, and I'll do the jokes. Wasn't worth it. <laughs> it was not worth it. And for more of that, see you in May. Goodbye! No! Mm. Christmas cake. As the ghost moves from the grave by Ben Gold, they can call my dance for me to send a cake. Highway for Christmas. Stop our Christmas cake. Christian Riley did all the musical bits. Oh, look, Emma, Richard Herring's melded into a tiny pea-sized ball of gunk. What should we, what should we do with him? I'm going to just flick him in here. All right. Wow, that is deluxe. Yeah. Do you like my awning? Yeah, um, I like the whistle. That's mm. very useful. Got some really good chemical toilets towards the back. Mm. Quite good. It's, it's a long way down, isn't it? Mm. Well, that's why it's deluxe. Nice.